first poem that I wrote was called The Day of the Bad Haircut. I remember it was because my mom had forced me to get a haircut or something and the lady had cut it too short and I I was very annoyed. So I wrote this whole poem and I remember there was it was very childish and I tried to go for like, you know, Royal Dahl type theme, but it just didn't work out and my family was very nice. They were like, yeah, yeah, it's good, it's good, but no, it's not good, but like <laughs> The best example for that would be, um, you know, the guy who wrote Winnie the Pooh. He based it on Christopher Robin, his son, and he was extremely tortured and troubled. And Christopher Robin, in fact, did not lead a very pleasant life. That that has changed everything for me. In that sense, you're not doing justice to what the person has written. So it's like a double-sided coin. As opposed to other coins, which are not double-sided. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I mean. Like, Welcome to episode 7 of Quarantine. I'm your host Arnav. And they say that the pen is mightier than the sword. Well, to join me today, I have Preksha Banerjee, who is quite the wielder of her words through her poetry. Hi, Preksha. How's it going? Hi, Arnav. I'm good. It's going good. I have work from home today, so I'm happy. Yeah. Hopefully, your employers do not listen to that. For legal reasons, this is our lunch break. Right <laughs> yeah, it is our lunch break. But otherwise, yeah, I've been a little busy with work, but I'm so happy to be doing this with you and I'm so excited. So, what exactly was your work? I know it has something to do with mobile app development. Yeah, so um, I work at this company called Resync where I basically use Flutter to develop their mobile application and deploy it on the Play Store and App Store. So, so do you do more of the front-end stuff or back-end stuff? Like designing or developing uh, or both? Uh, yeah, so I do more of the front-end stuff. But I do use, um, so I do design the wireframes of the application as well as I, you know, and, you know, develop it on Flutter and I use the API calls from the backend. This is getting too technical, but yeah, I, I basically develop it as well. But like how technical is the front-end part of it? Because I remember in a hackathon in year one, yeah. I was tasked by our team of five hopeless individuals <laughs> and I will develop the front-end just because I had some idea about design is. Yeah. But I had to code the front-end, which I hated. Yeah. How technical is Flutter's front-end just to design how the app should look? So I don't use Flutter to design how the app should look. I use another software called Figma. It's kind of like Adobe Illustrator sketch around those steps. So I just use that to design the wireframe, but I use Flutter to code out what I've really drawn. So for me, it's an easier process than to just directly code because at least I have a visual, I know what it can look like and then it's easier for me to implement. So if people aren't creative at all, then they should forget about trying to use Figma or they still have no. some potential there. I think it's a software, anybody can use it. And creative is also a very subjective term, right? So uh, people can harness their creativity in whichever way. Like Figma is a software you can use for anything, like to edit photos and stuff as well. So Yeah, creativity harnessed in different forms. I think your poetry is one of them. Oh. Like I, I, so how I know you do poetry is because you've, I think you've sent one or two in the past sometime and just in the poetry circles of three people oh, in India. Oh, three NTU. people in India. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, the third one has already been on the podcast before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So my poetry is a thing that I haven't really, um, I haven't read out or shown to many people before. It's uh, something that only like my very close friends or and my family knows about. Partly because I was or I still am to an extent a little bit insecure about it so I don't uh, read it out much but yeah it's something that I've been doing for a really long time since I was in school I have this book where I write and now in um, NTU after coming I just use my phone notes to just write down stuff sometimes it's like not even a full-fledged poem it could just be like a thought that I suddenly have randomly in the middle of the day and I'm like okay I shouldn't forget this so I just quickly like write it down but yeah, or like a, a statement which sounds nice, like anything like that. But by chance, do you remember the first time you got into poetry? Like you mentioned in school, but was there any specific instance where you began? Or? Okay, so I remember first, I would never write poetry, I would perform poetry that other people have written. And then slowly I got into writing later. So I remember in my first school, which was in all girls, Convent school. When I was in like the fifth grade or fourth grade, I think there was this. Uh, there were these competitions which were held, elocution competition and spell bee. And I was like hopeless at spell bee, so my mom gave up on that. She's like, okay, try elocution. So I was like, okay, so what do you do for elocution? And you're like, you basically rehearse poetry and perform it or whatever. So I remember the uh, first poem I actually performed was this poem called The Porcupine by Roald Dahl which um, I think I've heard of this yeah which is basically it's a it's a stupid silly poem for children it's basically a poem in which this uh, little child sits on a porcupine and she gets thorns stuck up everywhere and she didn't realize and then it's about you know how Roald Dahl writes very illustratively about you yeah. know he writes about this doctor, you know, taking them out from everywhere and then going like, yeah, so it was a cute poem about that and I remember performing it in fifth grade. I did the actions and everything and it was like very cool. So that's when I realized that I actually like poetry and I may want to start doing something with it later. I remember like in school, like I've only written poems in school like this not not even as a hobby yeah. i'm sure it must have been like some like we used to have weekly tests yeah i'm sure in some english paper it came yeah. up right like a four or five line poem yeah. i would just make the last word rhyme the <laughs> sentences make no sense i would just make the last yeah. word rhyme. i mean i agree with you in the sense that learning how to rhyme is I would say it's not all important criteria in poetry because right now there's so many different types of poetry there's like existential and the more modern poetry which is basically like not have if like you've read any Rupi Kaur or I any have, I have. yeah it's not I think most people have most people have yeah. right yeah and it's not um, it doesn't necessarily need to rhyme and I think that's how it's changed over the years but Traditionally speaking, even I, whenever I try to write, like I'm just wired that way where I'm like, oh, I have to make it rhyme, like I have to make this rhyme, otherwise it doesn't sound good mm -hmm. in my head. But um, I think it's like progressing now as well, like so many times, um, you know, rhyming is not a criteria, but it makes your poem sound nice if you can do it. And, yeah. 
So, what style of poetry would you say your works relate to? More uh, like the traditional rhyming style, or is it just like breaking those notions of? Oh, uh, so yeah. So, like my older stuff used to really be very traditional, and I used to really try to make it rhyme. But then recently, I would say maybe like last one year or so, mm-hmm. I've tried moving into more spoken word. more you know more unconventional styles it doesn't need to have a certain rhyme scheme or maybe it could start with one but then i change it later like it just it actually i never think about that it's just the thought and i'm just writing it so however it comes out later it's different it might be no about spoken word like like i read a lot of articles of what is the difference between poetry spoken word and rap even though yeah. like in my mind as someone who's not that well versed in poetry yeah like like they all have a lot of common elements where yeah i mean ideally you want to communicate a story yeah. through some sort of word flow rhyme schemes yeah so, like i think some of the i definitely agree that i think rap is also like a form of poetry because um i remember i took a creative writing class in ntu itself like last semester mm. and in our whole poetry session our prof literally made us listen to a rap by eminem in the middle you know like it's a, it's like a rap is actually like a part of poetry as well uh, but i think spoken word is different in the sense that spoken word is usually very observational like most people if you see doing slam poetry they like tackle certain themes and certain issues and certain the kind of political i would say rap can also be i think counted as a kind of spoken word you hear a lot of rap which is very topical political but i would say poetry like you know traditional poetry like you know uh, it used to be very romantic like mm. earlier you had the sonnets and the ballads and everything which was very like romantic and it was um you know very idealistic and not very real so i think with our generation it's at least spoken word like you know it relates to us much more because we're able to you know relate to the issue being spoken about not entirely even in rap there's a lot of phenomenal artists yeah. <laughs> who are saying stuff which is really relatable to quote Um, Lil Pump's <laughs> famous song, his chorus, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang. Yeah. Relatable so, to all wannabe millennials out there, but but yeah, definitely. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, so within rap also there are so many things now, like there's mumble rap and all, which I have no, I I don't get it. I I can't relate to it in any way, but. Somebody somewhere can, which is why they're getting popular. So. No, but interesting story with your introduction to rap. Oh. Which is, <laughs> I think this is from like a year, year and a half ago or something. Yeah. Where you were blank on who are the big names or any sort of information about the rap industry, and you were with your cousin or something, and you texted me asking for advice. Oh right, right, right. So I remember the story now. So it was about uh, almost two years ago, I think, where I was with my cousin and we had um, met and we were basically we'd gone off for a lunch with somebody, some mom's friend, something, and there was a guy there who seemed, you know, very like intellectual and knowledgeable about things. So I didn't want to seem like the stupid person there. So he was talking about some rap controversy. Which Which had happened then, I think, um, uh, regarding something that someone had said in his rap, and I had no idea what he was talking. To be fair, about. I think that happens the entire yeah. time. There's always something with the other. Yeah, thing. I think it was 
Tupac or something, how Tupac predicted his own death in his rap, some, and then I was like, oh, what's going on? So I just messaged Arnav, I was like, do you know who, what Tupac said in which lyric? And Arnav was like, this dictionary. What, what, what is a Tupac, Arnav? <laughs> yeah, what is a Tupac, first of all? <laughs> and second of all, who, what did he write, this, that? And then Arnav was like, okay. Let me help you. And then it just started. I was like, yeah, so you know, I think it was like this. And then he was quite impressed. So I was like, thanks. But yeah. <laughs> but specifically in poetry, what is the possible career progression? Like in rap, if you're writing, say, on a small level, yeah. the end goal is to get signed to a label or to produce mainstream music. If you yeah. look at other creative forms like theater, the end goal, at least in India, is to mostly get to Bollywood. Yeah. For something like art, it might be to get yourself in this art gallery or yeah. so and so much money. So what exactly is the career potential in poetry? So poetry, so I think, again, it's a very niche field, right? Like most people, they just want to be authors. And you see so many authors, like Roald Dahl, used to write novels as well as poetry. So most authors, they expand and they write both. But for someone who is just a poet, they would, I would say their end goal is to probably, it depends on what type of poet they are. If they are, if, if they perform, then they can get into slam. Otherwise, you could be like, you know, a rupee core publishing books. And I guess that's it. But um, for me personally, my I consider myself a writer, not just a poet. So I wouldn't just put myself in that category. So in the end, for me, the end goal is one day I would like to get published. But it doesn't matter whether it's a book or a, po- or a poem or whatever. Yeah, yeah you do write quite a lot, not just poetry. Like even in the uh, NTUSU's editorial board, you used to write articles for them. Yeah, that was like a small stint I did with NTUSU. I was in their editorial committee and I used to just contribute articles related to like campus life or, you know, like students at NTU, NTU life, etc. for their magazine. But yeah, that's mostly like um, non-fiction stuff. Like mm. I could, yeah, I consider myself more like a fiction author. Like I really like coming up with plots and storylines. But there are so many people I know, like um, who my friends who enjoy reading non-fiction much more. Mm. Uh, but for me, it's personally I've always been more of like a fiction. Person. So I assume that's also there in your poetry. Like your poetry is. Yeah. Always like picks up a character or it's fictional. Yeah, so some of my poetry, yeah, it's all based on a fictional character most of the time. So, but the issues the character could be facing could be, you know, what's around us and real. So is it, am I right to say, mind a projection of you in a fictional setting? In some cases, yes. In some cases, it could be a projection of someone I've seen or, you know, someone in my family or anybody who I've seen before. Like, most people say, right, you can only draw inspiration from what is around you and what you've seen. So, um, I I wouldn't be able to write about something or someone which I cannot relate to at all or who I've not seen. But anything around me which I've seen and, like, I feel like the mind is a really funny thing. Like, you pick up on things which you don't even know you're picking up on and then later you realize that oh I was actually like thinking I suddenly have this idea but where did it come from and then you trace it back and it's and it's something completely unrelated you thought you were not paying attention but you were so I mean you write poetry as a hobby 
So of course yeah. I assume that you write whenever you have an idea or if yeah. something's brewing in your mind. But do you think yeah. if like people who do it professionally, like say even Rupi Kaur or anyone who does it as a career, yeah. do you think at any point they run out of inspiration or they run out of ideas, but they still have to try to produce poems? Yeah, I think that's definitely an issue, especially like, you know, if you are in contract with a publisher, then they will give you deadlines on when to come up with things. And you can't always expect inspiration to just strike within the deadline, right? So, um, so then it becomes difficult for sure. But yeah, I feel like, you know, for me, things are much more lighter because whenever it just comes I just write it down I don't there's no pressure mm-hmm. but I feel like when there is pressure then yeah you are sometimes forced to produce something which you might not feel is like a hundred percent but it's still out there and that's a thing that I feel like all writers have to face with I don't think any writer like if you ask um they are hundred percent happy with all their work like that that usually doesn't happen yeah. So have you also noticed like a clear progression between or uh, from the point where you started in school versus now when you write poetry? <laughs> yeah, but for sure. Or? Um, I would feel like also because I'm mature as an individual much more Fair since enough, yeah. school, my thoughts improved. Like I remember my first poem that I wrote was called The Day of the Bad Haircut. And it was literally... Can't I, relate. Was, I cannot relate to that. <laughs> yeah, but like, I remember it was because my mom had forced me to get a haircut or something and the lady had cut it too short. And I, I was very annoyed. So I wrote this whole poem and, uh, and, I, and I remember there was, it was very childish and I tried to go for like, you know, Roald Dahl type theme, but it just didn't work out. And my family was very nice. They were like, yeah, it's good, it's good, but no, it's not good. But, like, uh, but then since then, I think I've improved a lot. Uh, not, yeah, hopefully, but I still don't think that, I think there's a lot of scope to improve as well. Childish thoughts also do get a lot of commercial success. Dr. Seuss for one. Yeah. Dr. Seuss is... Dr. I mean, but that's the like intention behind this to make it yeah. for kids. So it's really simple, yeah. simple rhymes. I think it's very difficult to make something so simple. Like, you know, mm. like, I think Dr. Seuss must have put like a lot of thought into it. Firstly, because he was like the first one who did it. You mm. don't find any other Dr. Seusses in the world. And secondly, because for him to um, create the characters that he created and like, you know, because after a point when you, when you're an adult, I've seen in so many places, it's hard to no, dumb your mind down to how a child would think and um, to get someone to, to yeah. do that I think is a complicated process so yeah hats off to Dr. Seuss but yeah I think a lot of authors who write children's books and children's poetry like it's not a very easy task I feel. But poems and poets aren't always this happy or optimistic. And yeah not really. What I'm referring to mainly is Sylvia Plath. Yes. So, oh, wait, were you in CBSE or? Yeah, I was in CBSE. Yeah, you would have had that poem, right? The Mirror. The or... Mirror. Yeah, Sylvia Plath is extremely dark. In fact, I've uh, read another poem of Sylvia Plath. It's called Daddy. 
and it's uh, it's about um, so basically it's about her father who she wasn't very close to and she was a german i think and her father was a nazi supporter and the oh. entire poem is extremely dark you know and it's about how her father was not present in her life but it's written in a very childish theme she's referring to him as daddy daddy etc etc but becomes quite eerie to read itself and i think you know everyone that's how i said that everyone's personal experiences and what's around them shape what they yeah. write so i feel like um, silvia plath for example like i read about her and she had quite a troubled troubled past like she was married to another famous poet ted hughes mm-hmm. and um, you know he had multiple affairs with other women and she was she was quite disturbed and she was quite you know mentally not okay so even the way she died was quite gruesome and um, yeah yeah, yeah. so it was it was quite gruesome but i feel like because of her dark thoughts like she made that into art as well which is also very commendable and you know she is one of the most celebrated female poets of um you know the 1900s so there's actually a term coined for that and like i heard this term for the first time i think a few weeks back yeah. and it blew my mind like yeah. the other friend who told me about this it's called the sylvia plath effect yeah just basically some people wrote some papers on how among people who pursue creative professions poets and specifically female poets yeah. are at a higher risk for mental illness yeah so basically like i read silvia plath's autobiography it's called the bell jar and uh, she was very so i feel like most female poets like at least in the 1900s the most female poets wrote very powerful pieces because in those times it was about a fight right it was about mm. equality and feminism which is why you see silvia plath is such a feminist poet even virginia woolf i feel like nowadays the movement is still very much present but i feel like the it's the uh, the power and the intense passion that they felt in those days because they were really not granted much yeah. compared to what we have now so um in those days i feel like there was like a real fire there was a real passion so which is why the stuff which came out was very direct it was very dark it was very like real this is what it is and i feel like um now you know channeling those thoughts like now also there is like so much scope you know for so many things happening around us which are unpleasant and there's so much scope to channel that into poetry and if that's what you're thinking around all day then there is a certain effect that it will have on your mental health as well right so do you think there's also there also might be an element of escapism right poets like they mentioned so yeah. singular plath effect like poets specifically more than any other creative profession like yeah. for poets Like if they're building these castles in their head of like an ideal world which they want to write about, yeah, and then they come back down to reality, yeah, out of their sort of escapist poetry, yeah, world, then the real world just seems horrible. seems not good enough, right? And it's yeah. accentuated then for female poets, particularly in the nineteen hundreds. Yeah, like there's there's no like no one's. This is just something which we were discussing. Yeah. This is not like proven or Yeah, I feel like not just female poets. Like for example, take Lewis Carroll, you know, who wrote yeah. Alice in Wonderland and the Jabberwocky. He created his own world, his own entire imagination. He was like totally an escapist poet because um he created his own unique world with his own characters and everything, but in real life that is, you know, not the case. Yeah. 
and so you do tend to have like when you start investing or writing such a world and making it like a real thing and if that's what you're doing for months and months on end then it becomes very then you start living in that and you start living as that so when you wake up in reality one day or just like is what do i really yeah. want to be here is this really i'd much rather be there and yeah so it does cause effects of escapism i think as well so the way he created such creative environments or such creative like storylines and huge narratives yeah like do you think there's this thought that creativity or people who are most creative that stems from some sort of trauma yeah do you think that's necessarily the case or is that accentuated if people are doing it on a full time basis like as a hobby uh, i suppose it's not that yeah i definitely feel like you know everyone has a bit of creativity in them mm-hmm. and when you're talking about you know really like i feel like if someone is a genius and if someone is you know really out of this world with his work then yeah there must be something else they are lacking on i mean in their lives for them to you know come spew such thoughts i feel like for the best example for that would be um you know the guy who wrote winnie the pooh he based it mm. on christopher robin his son and he was extremely tortured and troubled and christopher robin in fact did not lead a very pleasant life but the whole story of you know christopher robin being friends with this little bear winnie the pooh and the stigger and everything it was it, it was extremely like you know again escapist mentality and it was the first of its kind winnie the pooh is yeah. like a children's book which people read even today like children read that book even today and it was written god knows in the 1800 so many years ago so like uh, approximately around almost 200 years later people are still reading that book so that must have been his genius right for yeah, like, to... i i used to like winnie the pooh was one of my favorites exactly yeah yeah i definitely feel like you know intense genius stems from some place like it may not have to be trauma but it could be an experience or it could be um something else which you know others are others haven't experienced or are lacking. it's that it's that motivation to try to escape reality which yeah. causes them to explore such escapism yeah i feel i think so too yeah that that has changed everything for me in fact like is it similar to calvin and hobbes in a way that where like if you just consider the story yeah. like don't consider bill waters and the yeah. like creator of it yeah but calvin's like yeah hobbes was the pet no no not even pet tiger the stuff the stuffed animal, animal which you could imagine yeah. that hobbes is actually there yeah i think that's you know i think that's why kids like i don't necessarily all view view uh, the calvin and hobbes thing as something you know which is sad or whatever i think kids i i think as kids people have like a lot of creativity especially when you're a kid you try to i remember you know trying to like kids for example you see them play with barbie dolls and they don't move either like they they create their own world which is uh, which i think is something really good it 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 helps you with your creativity it helps you discover things and as a kid you're just so in awe of everything that you see around you like i think that's a very good and powerful quality i feel that kids have which adults don't and then now, that's why adults always want to be kids again but uh, But now adults have to work at flutter and uh, yeah app development <laughs> where we come from from where to where like yeah okay so to finish things i have a would you rather round which is basically just a set of five would you rather questions 
so would you rather do this or do that yeah and i just want to hear your thoughts on that okay <laughs> so firstly would you rather give up punctuation or only write in capital letters for the rest of your life i in everything feel, poetry texting i feel like you know i'm a little scared of capital letters if someone only writes in capital letters i just assume they're angry like they could be super excited as well but i i'm just like okay i'm going to keep my god but i i get like i speak really fast sometimes because i get fast thoughts without punctuation so i don't mind living without punctuation i can just write and spread out my thoughts like as they come So fair enough. Yeah. Specifically for poetry, you would still prefer without punctuation for sure. Uh yeah, I feel like you know even my poetry is just a collection of thoughts, right? So it, it if it if thoughts come in like a rush, like a train, then that's how I write it. So fair enough. Secondly, would you rather be the person on earth who is first to ever write poetry or be the last remaining person on earth? writing poetry so i don't think that i could be the first person writing it because uh, i don't think i my mind would have been able to come up with some of the great stuff that people have written so i feel like the world would be devoid of that stuff mm-hmm. if i was the first person to write it but i wouldn't mind being the last person to you know end things off with like a with like a great thing and you know people to remember me as the person who left this legacy of poetry i don't mind that that sounds pretty cool yeah but it's probably <laughs> if you're the last person who will ever get to know what poetry is probably a post apocalyptic world yeah so if you want to consider the environment would an answer change oh my or? god uh, <laughs> yeah the environment definitely matters like would i write for people wearing gowns versus zombies yeah people wearing gowns yeah but i'm yeah i mean but would i like to be remembered uh, would i like to be the last, the most recent person remembered yeah that as well but then again okay so something just popped up in my mind if you're the yeah. last person on earth to ever yeah. know about poetry yeah who's going to be there to remember it whereas if you're so, the first person if you establish the legacy like you're completely capable let's go with that yeah and you share the gift of poetry with the world huh whereas if you're the last person or the last poet on earth who's going to remember that oh that's an interesting thought but like if i'm the last person to do poetry and after that there's no one else who can do it in the world i'll be remembered as the last great person who did it fair enough yeah fair enough. yeah lil, lil pump does not make the list with gucci gang oh no <laughs> <laughs> i don't think so but sure in some people's list he features probably his own but yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, thirdly would you rather remove poetry from the english curriculum in school or only have poetry and not have anything else like plays or essays or anything just poetry or no poetry um i i actually really love plays and i really like works of fiction as well so i don't think that uh this is a tough question i don't want to remove poetry <laughs> but i don't also want nothing else but it, it's an it's a tough question it's hard but um i really like poetry but i feel like you know not div- uh, you know leaving people without fiction and without plays it's going to be really they'll really be missing out on stuff so no fair enough uh, penultimate question 
would you rather have everyone read every line of poetry you ever write or no one can ever find out what poetry you've written no one can ever see it even if you want them to ah uh, this is a really interesting question because um i read about this thing it's called the death of the author so basically the thing is that when you write something and when it's out for the world to read then the people will read it and interpret it however they want to but they might not necessarily think of it the same way mm. as you were when you were writing it right yeah. so it's like they don't know who the author is the author is dead to them it's just what they are reading so that's another thing that a fear that a lot of authors face when pushing out stuff because i'm going to like lose this thing of mine and it won't be mine anymore um for me i don't really i really want to put my work out there someday and to get people to read it i would rather have people read it than to keep it all to myself for um at least when i'm ready for it to go out there yeah. fair enough and lastly would you rather only write poetry or only be able to read poetry I would definitely like to write poetry. Like reading poetry is also fun, but you know, it's a sense of this is not really mine. Like it's not mine. I'm reading what someone else has written, which is also good, but I definitely would feel like I would want to get something which is my own out there. Yeah. But there has to be a sense of like when you read other people's poetry, you get yeah. an idea of what different what styles different, of poetry could be yeah. there, what different thoughts people are having. Yeah. You don't have access to any of them. Yeah. I feel like another thing is but when you're reading something that someone else has written you may not read it with the same tone and the same intention that that person would have intended Fair for enough, right yeah. so you're reading it how you thought of it or, or how you interpreted it but or the other person would have written may have had a completely different subtext behind it so in that sense you're not doing justice to what the person has written but you understand what i'm yeah. saying so it's like a double sided coin you you don't really know as opposed to other coins which are not double sided <laughs> it's like <laughs> i mean like it's it's basically like a a catch 20 yeah, situation yeah. like you um it's difficult because you're reading it how you want to but you may not be doing justice to how that person wanted it to be read right so in that situation i would just want my own work <laughs> to be there yeah Okay, well, thank you so much for taking the time out and coming sure, on this podcast. Sure, thank you for having me. It's been so much fun. Like I genuinely had such a good conversation today. It was really fun. And now time to escape this world and go back to reality of yes. work. Yeah, work and more work and more work till December. But yeah. Coincidentally, our lunch break has just ended. Yeah, at this point, at time. this point, what a coincidence! It's just ended. Now we get back to work. We're right on time. <laughs> But yeah, it was it was super fun. I love. Thank you for this. So that concludes episode seven of Quarantine. Thank you for listening. And if you haven't already, be sure to follow our Instagram page for more updates at Quarantine Six Five. That's at Q U A R A N T I M E Six Five. Thank you for listening, and hope you enjoyed it. Thank <laughs> you.